Welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Nathan Bartleball. Nathan, what's going on, man? Hey, not too much. I'm here. You're here. I mean, there's always a lot going on. But it's already I'm, exciting, guys. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Nothing. Nothing's going that on. that other voice. We have a special Just crossover episode um, with Zach Bartles. Zach, what is going on, man? Hey, not much. I'm just kidding. No, lots of stuff going on. <laughs> lots of stuff going on. I just got back. On. We were just talking about insurrections and things. I still want to uh, freak people out. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. Nothing it's, for general discussion. No, we, we, nothing to see here. It's just a podcast. About I nothing. don't live right near Washington, D.C. like you guys, and I don't have uh, immediate family who were working that day yeah. at the Capitol, but I was flying and that morning, the first thing I saw when I opened my phone was uh, that someone was going to uh, fly a plane into the Capitol. Because I was flying back oh. from – I was visiting Ted Cluck in uh, Tennessee, and I was flying out of Memphis. And I was like, hmm, there's enough, there's enough uh, fuel in a, a flight from Memphis to Chicago probably to get you down to D.C. So it was a little nerve-wracking. Um, but I'm good. I'm, I'm rested. I had a great couple weeks off first time with any time off since COVID began. Oh, wow. So I feel great. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome, man. Um, well, Zach, I'm actually, I'm going to turn this over to you. Um, because I know, uh, I know that you and Nathan are going to, uh, you know, have some, uh, have some words for me here. Um, but this was, uh, actually your idea for a podcast and, and I, um, admittedly screwed that up a little bit. Um, and so I'm going to let turn it over to you and, and give you an opportunity to go ahead and, and uh, berate me for not doing my job and, and due diligence in preparing for this thing. So um, take it away, yeah. Zach. <laughs> okay. So um, I don't know. This is, it's a little late. It's a late Festivus uh, airing of grievances really. Um, but uh, Nathan was supposed to, both Nathans were supposed to, Get caught up with Cobra Kai. Uh, Netflix series Cobra Kai season three is out now. Watch all the episodes in sequence, Nathan. Um, which is how normal people watch shows. Chronological sequence, I guess. Without That's skipping chunks sequence. of seasons. Right. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm dying over here. Mm. I, I have all the COVIDs, eight, one through 19. Right. <laughs> no, I... Um, I uh, I'm smoking a cigar over here like Sensei Crease. Uh, that's how I've been dealing with. Yeah, you're even holding it at one point. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, but uh, then they were supposed to listen to at least a few episodes of my podcast, Give Sin a Body Bag, which is a. Which we weren't made aware of until last night, I believe. Well, I thought it made sense that you, <laughs> you would know was, this. You... Like, it was an episode, it was going to be an episode of that podcast. <laughs> All the um, time you've worked with us and Greg, you've not learned that you have to explicitly tell us everything. And even then, there's a 35% chance we're going to show. There's like a 25-minute episode you got to listen to. But anyway, um, Nathan Bartabaugh got caught up all the way through the end of the, the series, but didn't listen to even one episode of my podcast. Nathan Bell uh, didn't either. He, he played some Star Wars video games. He um, took three or four. Four naps. <laughs> <laughs> he did some other stuff that, you know, we're not going to talk about that he, he talked about off air. Um, but uh, he, didn't, he didn't. Coffee and contemplation. Of, Coffee and contemplation, fellas. Thumb up his butt, this guy. And uh, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. Particularly um, since you did give us a hypothetical week. So should we take the week? No, I got it on Monday. <laughs> should we? I mean, it's not too late to reschedule this thing for next Monday. And I was going to also bring well. Josh Loftus in from the Reformatory. Uh, by the way, Josh Loftus, who he and I have been for a while. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but we're planning a, a new podcast someday that's like either monthly or bi-monthly or just whenever we feel like it. Um, it with it's Stephen like us. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> this one used to be regimented. When I was the, the, the co-host, this was weeks, every week, man. It was, there was no fooling around. Nathan would get on me. Um, but Josh and I, are, we're, we've, we've also got Stephen L. Trogi, um semi-locked in to, to be on most of the time. And we're going to call it Behold Our Pod. Nice. <laughs> and uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a different podcast every time. Like a different theme and a different format, and then we're going to cancel it at the end. Like how Stephen Altrogi, every time he gets a good <laughs> podcast going, 
He just cancels it. <laughs> it's it's fitting. It's fitting for for Trogues there. Anyway, so Loftus bailed on me, uh, and then and, and he was the only guy who actually has listened to all of my pod episodes and seen all of Cobra Kai. <laughs> so I said, why don't we? Since this isn't this bar to be my podcast, why don't we make it your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Making an episode of these go to eleven. So, how many episodes of your podcast are there? So, this will be number seven, and there may be one more. It's a mini series. It's not, you know, I did, I didn't have. If room. you want, if you legitimately want to hold off, I will definitely. I don't know. If it's going to help Nathan Bell out any, but I will listen. <laughs> well, I'll here's listen to all of so your here's the episodes. deal. If I if I have, um, I can honestly say a week, and I will be able to get through all that stuff because. Um, we have next Monday off for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, so I know that that gives me an extra day uh, if anything pops Star up. Yeah, well, right. Um, you know, as I do, as one does. Um, you know what? Forget it. Let's just let's just push ahead. We're on the phone now. And, and what Nathan Bartlebaugh tried to say was, I thought it would be more interesting. If knowing just the basic premise of it, I came into it completely blind, deaf, and dumb. Um, <laughs> well, you know, who knows? <laughs> so, so I'm gonna. I want to talk a little bit about season three with with Nathan um, uh, Bartlebaugh. Well, well, Nathan Bell just sits there <laughs> sheepishly. We're gonna spoil it the whole se- the season and, and 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 the end of season two, uh, in in which Miguel gets kicked off of a second story floor in his high school. In the and middle of what do they back. call it? An all-out karate frenzy? It's a, it is a karate gang fight. Yes. And then the news at the beginning of season three, there's someone on the news saying an, an all-out karate, like, uh, what was it? It was frenzy or some kind of word like that. An all-out, uh, whatever it was, you're like, oh, how often does this happen that there are karate fights in, <laughs> in you know, 2020? Well, and part of that was like that whole show, it, it, walks the line uh kind of like my podcast that you haven't heard of is this serious or is this tongue-in-cheek and even like that big climax climactic fight from season one in the finale it seemed really serious like what am i watching the oc all of a sudden now like over serious and over dramatic um and yes. guys in the hospital yeah. hooked up the machines but then yeah the very next thing is uh the premiere or the next season and they're like making yeah warring karate gangs in the high school <laughs> there's a battle right and then and then the, the girl has like almost like a phobia of of, of uh stairs right yeah she can't want to get thrown over rungs it's not even the stairs it's it's like the the railing yes <laughs> i'm like dude walk up it without using the railing dummy <laughs> larusso's am i right yeah i will and i'm sure you probably talked about this on your podcast which he'll find out. Are you sure, though? <laughs> uh, well, you know, we'll see how this goes. Um, I want to see what exactly I scuttled. So, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but have you – I assume that you've enjoyed all of them so far. What did you think about this third one compared to the other two? Well, I think that – I think it was – it wasn't the best, but – it was the best we could hope for in a third season. The nature of, of the Cobra Kai show is that season one was always going to be the best because it introduced the concept. It gave us this flipped backwards reality of now it's this, this string bean kid who's being bullied. What he needs is Cobra Kai, right? What he needs is uh, a, a kind of karate that your blankety blank generation desperately needs strike first, strike hard, stop needing a safe space, you know, take your, your asthma and your gluten allergies and leave them at the door. Um, and, and so like to have it backwards and, and to embrace and have fun with the Daniel is the real bully trope, all of that, they couldn't just sit there and milk that. So season one was fresh and new, but then what season three did was start going with some deep cuts, you know, and I'm talking about chosen going back to Okinawa. Um, maybe chosen in Chicago, the, the band, not the place. <laughs> okay. The song, you know, from, no, it, was, from it was Peter Sotera, yeah. not, not Chicago. 
Uh, Do you have any horns in that song? But it it was Karate Kid was never my jam. That was the last dragon. Barry Gordy's the last dragon. Guys, why are we talking to each other? (laughs) You invited (laughs) us. I know. I did under the pretense that you you guys. Yeah, it was it was under the pretense that I was going to watch the show. <laughs> anyway, back to the deep cuts. Peter Cetera, then you know, close um, enough. He was a part of Chicago. You got one actually, building. Did they play that? Uh, there was a flashback, right? We're talking. About I am a knight. You might I'm a, I'm a man who will fight for your honor. That song. Yes, that's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wait, didn't wasn't there also like a power of love that Huey Lewis did for Back to the Future? Yes. Yeah. Really different and better. Yeah. That's super confusing. <laughs> You know what I hate? Speaking of things that have nothing to do with this show, um, <laughs> I don't need to go to 11 or Cobra Kai. Uh, Peter Cetera, Amy Grant duet. Remember that one? The next yes. time I fall in love? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. awful. This is, dude, remember how originally, when I first started listening to these go to 11, when it was just Greg and Nathan, and sometimes you, Nathan, um, but usually just Greg and Nathan, it said like Christian issues with an ADD flair. I feel like I'm bringing you guys back to your roots right now in a real way. <laughs> well, the AD, it now is just the ADHD flair. Oh, we right, no, no, Jackson, no. everything else. <laughs> it's called These Go to Squirrel. <laughs> All right, let, let, me, let me bring it back around. You two gentlemen. Chosen. <laughs> are the current hosts of These Go to Eleven. In theory. <laughs> I am. I want to. I'm going to name myself now because Greg Dutcher's not here to claim it. Host emeritus. Yeah. Are there any objections? <laughs> no. Nope. All in favor, oh, say aye. <laughs> if he popped in at this moment, that would be beautiful. <laughs> He's still sending excuses. Uh, so I don't yeah. think. So. Well, I, when I got the excuse, I was like, that means he's going to do it. Like he wanted to, us to not be expecting him. Um, <laughs> We've thought that uh, many times, but nope. That's not what happens. <laughs> right. you, 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 it's like the, the, that scene in Arrested Development when they keep showing uh, yes. Job waiting for his dad to take him fishing. And he's always got all these different things. Greg, are we going to go podcasting? Listen, I got to help this guy find his puppy. But uh, we're, we're going to talk about Cobra Kai and sanctification. Here's the, the thesis of the show that you haven't listened to. Because you're bots. <laughs> and you're bad friends. All right. Um, it's that in our, in our mortification, in our putting to death our sin nature, most Christians, most evangelicals today are Daniel LaRusso's. Defense only. Looking, looking for the magic pill. You know, the, uh, oh, show me, show me the drum. Show me that move. Show me the crane technique. I'll just do that sometimes. Um, there, if, if, hard temptation comes their way. They basically respond the way Daniel does when karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes shows up at his house in karate kid three, which is just to kind of go limp and whine and threaten to call the police or how Daniel responds when Johnny shows up in Cobra Kai, where he's like, I'm going to call the police. No, I'm going to feed you breakfast. Also, can I give you a free car? And, And instead of being like Daniel LaRusso, we need to, be like Johnny Lawrence, mm-hmm. which is to strike first, strike hard, and show no mercy and make no provision to the appetites of the flesh uh, and just curb stomp our sin nature. Uh, and I think the longer the, the miniseries went, maybe the, the more I was reaching. <laughs> but then when I got to season two and I, I kind of rebooted it just for that one episode – I think it went really, really close to the, the biblical stuff because Kreese snakes his way in and compromises one, one compromise at a time with Johnny until he's right, got him right where he wants him. And he manipulates him and it's all like, well, okay, you'll be here as an observer only, but I'm still in charge. Okay, you know, you can use, you know, the dojo's still mine and slowly gets pushed out of being in, in control. Um, and all of that, I think, is uh, ready-made as a, as a pastor. I think it's ready-made sermon illustration material, but only for people who've seen Cobra Kai. Uh, so only for like half the Nathans in, in the room right now. <laughs> and, 
I, I want to know, Nathan Bell, to include you a little bit <laughs> Just in your a own podcast. Um, <laughs> in, in the podcast of which you have been the only common denominator <laughs> for the last five and a half to six years. Um, as a Actually, just just give a little background. Give us. I've never heard this. What's all the all the black belts and all the training and all the years and all the stuff that you've got under your under your belt, uh, martial arts wise? Yeah. So um, unofficially, um, I have been training in some form of defense uh, since I was three. So that is uh, thirty six years now. Um, wow. In official. Uh, dojo training with an actual sensei uh, it's been 30 years so I had a period of time where uh, my father when he was in the military you know of course uh, they get they get some type of defensive training before I was born he was stationed in Korea and took uh, Taekwondo actually in Korea the birthplace of Taekwondo um, he wrestled in high school for Foot fist art. That's right. <laughs> um, he wrestled in high school for, uh, you know, I mean, he was, he was all state in Michigan. If you know anything about Michigan wrestling, like that's huge. And so, um, when I came along, I was the, the child out of the four that showed the most interest in, in that type of a thing. And so, he kind of did what he could with me for, uh, you know, several years when I was younger. And then when I was eight, um, I really wanted to train seriously. And so I started training in Shaolin Kempo. And uh, Shaolin Kempo is a mix of northern style Chinese Kung Fu, American Kempo, and um, Jiu-Jitsu. Not Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and so I got my black belt um, in that style. Uh, during that time, trained in uh, capoeira, trained in combat hapkido. Uh, and then after I got out of college and kind of settled here in Maryland, I actually got involved with a taekwondo dojo. Got my black belt in taekwondo. And during that time, also trained in, in some various other styles. When I had E living with us, he wanted to uh, do something. Uh, he wanted to do something with me. Initially, he wanted me to teach him martial arts. And I told him that um, with that, that probably wasn't the best idea, having your son and, you know, be uh, your student. Uh, doesn't always work out so well, but I told him if he wanted to do something, I would do it with him. So we ended up getting involved in uh, Kali, Filipino uh, stick fighting and knife fighting. Um, and so I, you know, I have two black belts, one in Shaolin Kempo, one in Taekwondo, and then I have three uh, intermediate ranks um, in Combat Hapkido, Capoeira, and Kali. So that is my background and experience in the martial arts. In which of these are you a purple belt? <laughs> <laughs> Callback. Um, That's a deep cut. That's yeah, a deep cut yeah. to when I was a host of these go to a But uh, <laughs> actually, no, to when you were a child and then me hearing that story. That's right. And, uh, and never letting it go. <laughs> and never, never letting it go. <laughs> now, first of all, I want to tell you that the proper way to deal with your son, you've seen season one, so you know you should have your sworn enemy train your son in, in martial arts. That's the best way to do it. That's right. <laughs> but but with all that training, if you were to put your, your morals aside yeah. for a moment, and I, and I realize it's easier for, say, Greg Dutcher than for, for guys like us, but... It, <laughs> If you were to try to do that, like, like forget the, the ethics of the whole thing. Yeah. Is there – do you think there would be some truth to the Johnny Lawrence claim that the best defense is just more offense? Yeah, I mean definitely because I know that even uh, even in growing up, you know, I, I had been in martial arts since I – again, since I was very young. And when I became a teenager – uh, the, the style I studied at Shaolin Kempo was actually a very combative style. Um, it was a harder style. Kempo was actually invented. Uh, Ed Parker 
modernized the style and it became a, a specifically combative style where basically he would train his students in things. And uh, in Hawaii, they would kind of go out and get into these street fights and come back and tell him what worked and what didn't. And so the style was <laughs> built around actual fights. Um, so it was actually, it was a very combative style. And I remember new new students would come in you know martial arts was was kind of uh toward the end of its heyday at that point uh but you would still get the occasional teenager the parents would want their kids to learn discipline and and you would get those punk children who would come in and that was kind of their their thought and philosophy I, thankfully i had a great teacher uh, who basically told the the, the child and the parent, I, I'm not teaching your kid how to beat people up. So if this is what they're looking for, then they need to go somewhere else because this isn't for them. But there is, particularly in those styles, there is that mentality and can be that mentality of, you know, strike hard, strike fast, no mercy. Um, and I can definitely see, even even in my years, like I could see my best friend and I grew up taking martial arts together, can see like the, the areas where we were treading that line of like, hey, I want to I know if what I can do actually works. And so how can we passive aggressively get into a fight to make sure it doesn't <laughs> look like we were at fault here? Um, thankfully, uh, you know, and, and I, and I mean this in all honesty, thankfully, uh, God is smarter than we were and in more control of us than we were and, and, uh, allowed us to not get into those situations. Um, so I, I never was in a situation, particularly at that time in my life where I, I would have been aggressive with the style that I was taught. Huh. Okay. I, I, I've always thought that there was something, I mean, it, it, it makes sense if you're going to be a good person, particularly if you're going to be a Christian, mm-hmm. um, that you learn these things to defend weaker people. I mm-hmm. mean, I firmly believe in, in not just just war principle, but, but historic Christian teaching that it's, it, you don't have to turn infinite other cheeks if someone is trying to attack someone else. You put yourself between the weaker sure. person and the stronger person, and you might have to uh, be a little bit more uh, Joab, you know, uh, a little more Peter with the sword in the garden, you know, than sure. St. Francis. But but uh, I, I've always thought that if you were going to be 100% about martial arts as, you know, in its purest form, it seems like something that wouldn't demand the defense the the rule of this can only be used in defense it, that it that it could be um it could be more effective and, and again it, it, i'm i'm not mm-hmm. the, the the issue yeah. with the the that that i think the potential downfall of the podcast is someone's going to hear it out of context <laughs> and and not recognize that i'm just talking about a spiritual battle isn't that you know, always our it, problem though somebody hearing our podcast out of context trying to incite karate riots <laughs> karate if all out karate riots that's what the that's the a line. frenzy a <laughs> karate frenzy yeah let, let me ask you one more question since you know this stuff yeah in in season 1 mm-hmm. one of my favorite lines is what was that he goes taekwondo or jujitsu or MMA or something. Mm -hmm. And Johnny says, no, it was karate, old school karate, which is what we see Kreese teaching in the dojo in the karate kid, you know, the original movie, 1984, you know, jab punch, front kick, you know, roundhouse, um, just like drilling those basics to muscle memory and a few fancier moves for these guys who are black belts. But you know, it wasn't like there's a guy named Vidal who was an actual martial artist who's in, Karate Kid, uh, and he's he's just spinning all the time. He's like never not spinning. It looks cool, right? But he he doesn't even he he gets taken out at the very beginning of the semifinals um, by a regular punch. Like he's so spinning and he gets dizzy and he gets punched in the face. Um, and, and so when when that's the premise, and then you start watching further. I don't know how far you got, um, but it seems like they realized what American audiences wanted to see, 
is a lot of people like jumping up on someone's shoulders and wrapping their legs around him and then somersaulting. And, and I'm like, where did all this stuff come from? What styles are they mixing in there? Just out of uh, curiosity. So there, there is a style that came out. Actually, it was, um, it was invented by some guys that I uh, was in the tournament circuit with back in the mid-90s called XMA, Extreme Martial Arts. And so it's a mixture of a bunch of different styles. So you have capoeira mixed in there, that that dancing, uh, gymnastics-y style. Um, that gets thrown in there. You have different concepts of, uh, of Kali and uh, Aikido in there where it's, you know, movement redirection. And so um, very quick hand strike, movement strikes um, that get put in there. What, what we saw Johnny do in the original Karate Kid is closer to what we know as traditional karate martial arts that, um, again, those the American audiences wanted to see something cool. So, you know, you've got Jackie Chan that comes over uh, in, in his very first uh, American release movie, Rumble in the Bronx, where all of a sudden martial arts is cool and flashy and um, you know, and that's what people wanted to see more of. And so you've got this period where you had um, some le- some legit martial artists, um, including actually uh, Taylor Lautner, who played the wolf guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's Dark actually boy. he's a legit martial artist. And um, huh. I actually saw him compete. Um, of course, I was older than him, but I saw him compete as a young kid in some of the tournaments in the New England area. Um and so, like, you had a lot of that stuff going. You have uh, Mike Chat. You had um, – oh, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys. Um, but they kind of came together and worked on this XMA style, which was, you know, how can we kind of combine the flashy moves with some legitimate martial arts that we've all grown up with and learned? Um, and so that's really what – what you're seeing in some cases is this blended style of the XMA, but they've also introduced uh, some Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff that comes into play. So it really, it took the basic form of the traditional karate that my sensei taught me and really kind of broadened it into more modern day karate. I don't think Johnny would know that, and I don't think he would like it, right? I think there's a little disconnect there, but I, I'm glad they did it because it made for a really cool fight choreography. Right. Um, there, there was some really cool sequences, and, and there was also, like, the suspension of disbelief with, like, Tori, the, the bad girl character, had had, like, a few kickboxing lessons. Yeah. And yet she does, you know, the, the really kind of stereotypical, like, um, Black Widow takedown right. where she, like, drops the guy, then she pulls his arm back, you know, in the wrong direction until right. he taps out. And I'm like, you don't learn that if you freaking right. uh, kickboxing. That's yeah. not kickboxing at all. Yeah, um, and that's, and that's yeah, I mean, really what they're fun. doing. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's what it boils down to is the stuff that actually, if you, you can actually go back onto YouTube and you can look at um, more traditional martial art tournaments, sparring tournaments, like from, you know, the, the, the 70s and 80s stuff with um, – uh, stuff that has like Chuck Norris in it and Bill Superfoot Wallace, um, uh, uh, Benny Uridex, like some of these guys who back in the day, like these were the guys that I would watch in movies. Cynthia Rothrock, um, you know, these were the martial Jeff artists Wincott. that I grew up with and watched. And, you know, then again, you had kind of this revolution that that came through. And so as a martial artist, I would watch – Jackie Chan, you know, of course I had been in martial arts for a while, but then I see Jackie Chan come on the scene. And I'm like, oh man, that looks really cool. I don't know how practical any of that stuff would be. Clearly not, because when you look at the outtakes, you know, it doesn't really work, but it looks really cool. And so again, these guys in the in the mid to late nineties started developing this XMA program, which is is a combination of the older stuff that people were doing and trained in and then a blend of the newer flashier stuff that people really Mm -hmm. wanted to see. See that, that is exactly what I was curious about. Interesting. Um, I think that also crease seems to be, you know, this guy who learned, they, they give a little background. Do you remember what, what art he was learning from that guy in Vietnam, Nathan Bartleblaw? 
No, what was season it? three? I don't remember, but he didn't learn much of it. But he was he was learning what they what they learned, what the Viet Cong guys knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they they kind of highlight it kind of quickly. Like it's clear they're trying to add, add some backstory to him a little bit, but it's it, it. I don't know if it's really fully developed. You know, I could have used a little bit more of that, honestly. Like I think. Oh, hey, by the way, you see my sweatshirt? Hold the pass. Yes. This is a, a movie uh, that I helped uh, make. I didn't help a lot, but I was there the whole time, and I was uh, right by Cliff Graham, the director's side, the whole time, and it was very cool. It's about uh, Shamgar, um, and there was a yeah, guy I remember there. Uh, the stuff on you. You had uh, pictures and stuff online, I think, at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there was a guy who played the um, general of the the army that was coming through the Canaanites who were coming through to kill and, and rape and murder and destroy that Shamgar is, is going to fight the Philistines um, and uh, not Canaanites, Philistines. I know my Bible. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> that guy and I sat down, Cliff goes, listen, we need to fill this plot hole. It's got to be quick. It's got to be punchy. I need you two guys to go write a scene. I go write a scene with this guy. And then I'm watching season three of Cobra Kai and they show the diner scene where you think the one guy's crease and it turns out that yeah, the, yeah. you know, the guy with the, the Goldie Wilson uh, wannabe with the, the, the mop is actually him. And the uh, army recruiter comes walking through and talking to everybody. And I'm like, holy cow, I know that guy. I wrote a scene of Hold the Pass. With oh, him. that's the guy. That's the guy. That's pretty <laughs> yeah, cool. Was, that's pretty neat. Nice. He, he said that uh, it was one of the, the most fun couple of days of years and years in this industry uh, is being part of that. Um, but Nathan, let me, uh, Nathan, Nathan Bartlebaugh, how do you guys do this? I guess when one of you says Nathan, the other one knows that's, that's who you're talking yeah, about. We yeah, we assume unless one of us has lost our I'm going to call you Bart mind. and Bell. So Bart, um, two questions for you. And, and the second one will segue us into uh, something spiritual. Now, Hans. <laughs> Booby, since this is radio, not television, um, I'm going to describe Nathan Bell for the, the listener. Um, I'm going to say he's about, what, 6'3", maybe? Um, is, what, what's, what's your actual height? I'm 5'10". Oh, he's like a stocky. Okay. I've never stood in the same room with you, man. I've only yeah. seen you on, on – okay. So, so what are you weighing in at now? Uh, not very good. I'm, uh, I'm 270 right now. This guy, this guy's like, he's all shoulders and, and like, like, like he's just big. This is a big, strong dude. This is a guy who wouldn't need to know karate uh, in order for people to not mess with him. Um, so my question for, for Bartlebaugh is if, if for whatever reason you and Nathan Bell were to get into a fight, uh, how long do you think the fight would last and how would it go? See, I don't want to say that I would just shoot him. there. <laughs> How do I say it without saying it? He's pulling you know, so the Indiana Jones out, baby. baby. You just pick up a brick. Indiana and, uh, Jones yeah. right there, baby. That's right. <laughs> no, you so guys are in I like a – find uh, some sort of way to incapacitate me. <laughs> I would probably throw a brownie over his shoulder or something and then oh, hit him with a oh. two-by-four. <laughs> what I'm hearing is both that you would use your superior intellect and his like slovenly uh, – Lack of discipline or something. To... <laughs> okay. What are you doing here? You're tre- you're, you're creasing us. You're, tre- you're trying to divide us here. So you you're eagle fang. Yeah, I was and you Nathan can't rupture Bell... eagle fang. <laughs> eagle fang. That was the best part of the oh, entire my... thing. So, far. but eagles don't have fangs, and he just wings the t-shirt at his yeah. face. <laughs> I, I need so the back of my car is like there's like one inch of paint left. It's all stickers. Uh, and, and I'm like, well, that inch needs to be covered with an Eagle Fang sticker. And that, that, lo- that logo with the Eagle with the actual fangs, that is so represents what it was like to walk around in a mall in like 1987, right? When yes, everybody is- <laughs> which is right where, <laughs> that's where John like, Lawrence still lives. Yeah, he lives yeah, in 1987. Right? Well, so let's, I have a question about this. So, so this idea that I guess the podcast is based around is that Johnny Lawrence's perspective is the right one. Yes. And Danny's is the wrong one. Right. Okay. Not, not, no, no, from, if, if we're looking at this from a human point from of view. A, from a spiritual standpoint, they have yeah, the right yeah, perspective. From a spiritual, yeah. Our, our jihad, even, if you will, against sin. I just said that to be controversial. Um, right. in, in our battle against sin, if, if I were to say which of these guys has his life together more, I think I'd say Daniel. <laughs> yeah, although as we see these, the show going on, I guess that's why, like, season three kind of, it doesn't put up. 
uh, like you pointed out, they can't kind of keep playing season one over and over, right? Like they just can't keep that dynamic. Yeah. So of course you have to kind of push them together. And some of that doesn't feel organic and some of it feels kind of clunky. I do feel as they move towards the later bits of the season, when they both start to figure out that there are problems with not necessarily with the ethos of what they were learning, but that both of their mentors had issues yeah. and that they have sort of adapted those issues. And I guess the question is, as we move towards season three and the whole concept of the Eagle Fang and where where Johnny and Daniel end up, and I agree. I think one of the things is personally, Zabka's just more likable. Yes. You know, I think he was like even even the original Karate Kid, even when he was beating poor Daniel up all the time, he was he was not so much in that movie, but in this particularly this series, he's the he's the underdog to start with, but he just has a more likable presence. I think I'm sure. Uh, in real life, you know, Ralph Macchio is a perfectly nice guy, but he, I, I think even acting wise, Zabka is just a little bit more affable. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, like in the show. Daniel LaRusso's has a sneer about him all the time. He thinks yeah. he's better than everyone. When he's the poor kid in Reseda, he thinks he's better than those snobs at the, the Encino Oaks uh, country club. And then when he's the rich guy in the country club, he thinks he's better yeah. than this dirt bag in Reseda. And, and that's, it's hard to get on board with that guy. And that's, I think, why I – that's why I don't think Karate Kid connected to me as, as a kid as much because of that element of, like, Daniel's kind of a jerk too. You know, like, given – you know, you appreciate what Miyagi's trying to do for him and you're kind of happy, I guess, to see him win at the end. But there's still a feeling under the thing of, like, does he really deserve this either? Where is he going to go? So I think the Cobra Kai aspect of exploring how those two guys are both, both in their own way still stuck. They, 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 the failure to launch in a certain sense, you know, they are exactly like you said, they're both kind of stuck in the eighties to some degree. Now, yes, Daniel is technically more successful, but there is a sensibility where Johnny's eyes are maybe, you know, he's, he's becoming less of a jerk as time goes on. Right. But I guess the question is that idea that kicks, you know, kick it in the face, strike first, sweep the leg kind of deal when this, and it's, isn't it weird? Like season three opens and you've got Miguel in a coma. Which he, like, but he's he's like in a fight where he can't connect with his feet or fists or anything, and it's like, is he? What is this like? The Flash? Is he in the Beat Force? Like, what's going on right now? He's in some sort of mental space where he can't do anything, and I guess that's the representation of the coma. When he gets out of it, you know, Johnny's trying to do the, I guess, the right thing in the wrong way. So he, you know, he throws his phone across the room, and you've got that moment. And I'm waiting to roll my eyes because it's like, get up there and get it yourself. And you see him pick his beaten, thrown over a railing carcass up and drag himself to get the phone. But he falls flat on his face. Bam. Lands There's a lot on of the those ground. moments and where the music Johnny, swells. Johnny's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like ready to roll my eyes. And I think that's why Cobra Kai works is it, yeah. it knows in this moment that here's the problem. Here's the Johnny Lawrence problem. It's like the – pull yourself up and do this sometimes ends up with him landing on the face. And what does the next thing Johnny does? He doesn't go over and help him. He goes, nurse, get in here, <laughs> fix this. But, he just sort of walks away. And Nathan Bell spoilers. Um, but <laughs> he keeps on trying different variations of the same thing, which is just do it. Pull yourself back up every time you fall, even though you don't have legs that work and just do it. And eventually it works. That was what I loved about it. Eventually, he, he, the dumbest right. thing, going to see the Twisted Sister guy in concert, and now he's tapping his foot, and now he's, like, hoisting him. I mean, like, eventually, the, the uh, kick it in the face thing does pay dividends. And I think in real life, that's often the case. Whether you're starting a business or whatever you're doing, like, if you're the guy who's going to try and zen your way into it, you're probably not going to make it. If you're the guy who's like, yeah, I'll fall down on my face – and drag myself back up so many times because I want this so bad. And, and the question is, to segue it to, to the spiritual, is, is being holy in our comport, or is, is the King, King James would say in our conversation, meaning in how we live, is it something we want that bad, or do we just fall down and go, I can't do it, and then sit there and go, oh, well, I'm saved. So, and, and, and I think right. that's and I what guess season three did well. I would come from that. Is and, and I think the first season, of course, is there's the black and white of, you know, the good versus the bad. And it's always, well, in the, you know, the first movie, Daniel LaRusso, supposed to represent good, you know, and Johnny's bad and that sort of thing. And then season one, it kind of goes the other way. But I think the issue is viewing 
and, and to say Daniel's view, I would say maybe more like Miyagi's view, you know, and of course Miyagi's thing was balance. And I think that Nathan would uh, concur that martial arts, I, I've, I, a couple years of it years ago as a kid, but like in, in general, just understanding or knowing about it, that balance is a basic aspect of it all the way through that anyone that comes in with that, that attitude of kick it in the face can be effective to a degree, but I do think there's got to be the balance because the other part of Miyagi was not that uh, violence is always the answer, but you understand this so that you can maybe avoid the violence. So if yeah. you're looking at it in the spiritual comport aspect of it, is there a way that we do the balance? And that seems to where the show is moving Johnny a little bit towards Daniel and Daniel towards Johnny. And I guess the other thing is they're becoming their own people without being completely uh, fealty to what they grew up under. But in the, in the spiritual aspect, I guess the question becomes, what do we do with that viewpoint, the kind of Miyagi that you're teaching this, this discipline, that the defense aspect isn't necessarily, oh, I don't want to be part of a fight, but how do I do this so I don't have to have the fight? And I guess the putting the mortification and the putting sin to death, are there things in your perspective that a Christian can do so that this fight, this kick it in the face, also becomes how do I put myself in a place where I don't have to be that aggressive every, not aggressive with sin, but I think we all probably know people who find themselves, they aren't doing enough protective defense of their own hearts and minds. Right. And they find themselves in a, in a, in a, in a karate frenzy every single time with sin. And in typically speaking, you are more likely to get thrown over the rails in, you know, so I think Ooh, is there a point where reference. defensive is, is being, that defensive doesn't mean weak, but defensive, I think, sometimes is putting the armor on and, and, and knowing how to, uh, you know, to, to protect certain areas. You're not always going to be perfect. And then when you are in that defensive place, I think you are in a place where if you need to go to offensive and sometimes, like you pointed out earlier, to defend others, because I think that's a lot of times, you know, as the Christian, if you are on, if you are defending yourself against these things. So I think it is a balance. I definitely think that this idea of we don't we want to be very hands off. We won't don't want to talk in aggressive terms about mortification, uh, except scripture talks about it in aggressive terms. So you know there's that, and so I agree. I do think there's the balance there or the striking the balance, and that seems to be where Cobra Kai is going, not spiritually, but in the show in general. Yeah, I, I would say screw balance uh, from a, <laughs> a point of view of the spiritual battle. But when you when you talk about like if you're having to struggle, you know, like the life or death battle where it's all up in the air and who's going to win every day, maybe we're, we're, we're praying, leave me not into temptation. And then we're going into the bathroom where Johnny's dressed like a skeleton rolling a joint, um, which is Gary Goldman points out is the most frightening image possible in the 1980s. And, it's, and, and, and we're dousing it with water. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you're continually like, putting yourself in a stupid position where you're going to get defeated. And and like I, I mentioned the, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with John Piper's Anthem acronym. Um, It's, it's uh, I think he, he gives it in terms of defeating lust, but it's great for, you know, basically any kind of, and and really there's a lot of different kinds of lusts, not just sexual lust. But um, I emphasize in one episode of, of the podcast, you've never heard um, (laughs) the N in in Anthem, which is just the word. No, like Mm -hmm. you forcefully, within seconds of a thought and temptation entering your mind, you beat, you beat it down and, and end it because the longer you negotiate and the longer you try to, um, you know, leave boy alone to train, the more likely you're going to get beaten up by five guys dressed as skeletons. Whereas the a, the first letter in Anthem is, is for avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, that's just not what my, my Cobra Kai podcast is about, but if you're going to zoom out and look at, you know, another thing is I, I mentioned my, my son, who you just saw come in uh, a minute ago and say goodnight to me. Sweet kid. He's actually deadly as can be. Second degree black belt in, in uh, a system of martial arts. And when they were teaching him, he started at five years old, and they were teaching them, here are your rules of self-defense. Uh, shout for help. If somebody attacks you, try to run away. And if those two things don't work, use your self-defense. And I said, don't do that. That's awful. And then I said, well, I mean, obviously, we can all see how that would be uh, maybe a biblical illustration in that God always provides that way out. Mm-hmm. So if, yeah, if there is the way out, 
take it, right? So if you see how you can avoid the the battle to begin with, you'd almost be stupid. There, there's, I think there's a, a confidence in the flesh that comes from being a little more of a mature believer. Like you've had a lot of successes, you've made some, some progress in your sanctification, and you start thinking, oh, I can handle anything. Yeah, turn on that, turn on that movie with tons of skin. I'm not going to sin. Or I'll go hang out with these guys that always bring out the worst in me from, you know, before I was saved. No big deal. And, and I think you're right. You have to, you have to remember, even in my sanctification, I'm not some, uh, you know, completely, what's the word for can't be defeated that I, the simple word I can't think of. John Kreese. Um, indestructible, bulletproof. <laughs> There's a better word. What the world's the word I can't think of? Um, whatever, indestructible. You're not, you're, you're not a killing machine. Yeah. That that you know you you are very fallible, and yeah. you're and you're gullible. Yes. <laughs> Just not it either. I don't know what it is, but it's it's on the tip of my I'll tongue. Agree. Uh, yeah, and I'm not going to be able to think I'm, of anything else. I'm bleedable. Um. Everybody, just tweet this. Tweet, tweet what the word is. I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from, that there is, there is an element of, yeah, putting on the armor of God so that, you know, the more time you spend in the presence of Christ and, and near him, like, like all of the, there was a great moment in season three where Johnny's just about had it. He's, he got clocked on the back of the head with a sigh, which was amazing. Um, but the bottom, the butt of it, he got like pistol whipped with a sigh and he's just out for the count. And it's the moment in one of the Karate Kid movies where Daniel's getting beat up and Miyagi would come in and just destroy everybody in only the way that Pat Morita can because he was a genius. And in Karate Kid or in Cobra Kai season three, it's Daniel who comes in at that moment. And he does the, the awesome Miyagi style moves and, 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 he, and he rescues Johnny. And if, if Daniel had just always stuck by Miyagi's side those moments would never have needed to happen. And I think in a sense, if we always just stay as close as possible to Christ and don't go, you know, thinking I can go off into my life and, and compartmentalize and walk away from the, the spiritual quote unquote part of life. And just, uh, you know, that's for Sunday or that's for first thing in the morning and stay close to Christ all the time. There's going to be a lot less, uh, worry about having you know am i going to win the fights because they're going to be fewer Mm -hmm. i don't know if that has anything to do with what you were saying but i kind of feel like it does one of the things that i was go back to explain screw balance a little more (laughs) i I think that that there is and i mentioned this in in an episode of the podcast there's a a sense within christianity of people who don't know the bible well who say like all things in moderation you know, the, the real goal here is just not go overboard with anything. Um, and that's the goal. And, and it gets kind of conflated with a sort of yin and yang. And it becomes this kind of nebulous pan-religious idea of, you know, I can, I can do certain things that might be considered sinful as long as they don't go all the way into it. I just kind of have to find a certain balance. Um, and that live in the gray, which I'm not a fan of. I'm, I'm talking more of the balance between like to you to, trying to use the Cobra Kai, uh, uh, metaphor there, the, the balance between, as you see it, offense and defense, that's kind of what I'm saying. Sure. I see there should be a balance of that. I don't agree with the idea of, I don't see balance is not, um, living in the middle. I had somebody once tell me many years ago, like, Oh, you just have to live in the gray. And then they proceeded to tell me all the issues they were having. And I said, living in the gray doesn't mean what you think it means. And it <laughs> seems like you're having a lot of issues because of it. Yeah. I think there's something to be said that in Ephesians five, um, you've got the, the armor of God is a helmet, a breast breastplate, um, you know, greaves, uh, you've got a shield, You've got only, only one thing is offensive, and that is the, the sort of the spirit. So, yeah, we certainly yeah. want to so that's what be I aware. mean balance. That's balance. Yeah, no, I, I, you're right. You are correct. Well, and I think, too, like, I mean, I think, honestly, you guys I, I, you, are – You were worried if I thought you were correct or not. <laughs> we, Nathan Bellsman wanted to we say always something for, like, 45 that. minutes. Speak. Well, so one of the things that I think you guys are, are – you know, you're kind of dancing around. One of the things that I remember my instructor saying to me – when I first started fighting was this idea of um, I was I was very much always on the defensive. And when you're unsure of yourself, you are. And I think that's there's something to take away from that as a believer is that as a young believer, 
not really knowing and understanding, getting that training and doctrine, you are on that defensive. Now, what that looks like uh, can 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 go about in very different ways. But but as you become more and more experienced, you learn that your defensive fighting even becomes offensive fighting. And so understanding that with sin, we are constantly in a fight. And so there are times where I need to take the defensive with it where I just, I run and flee, right? That's what Joseph does when he's confronted with Potiphar's wife. Right. He's not standing his ground and fighting that. No, no, no. He's, he's getting out of there, um, you know, and, and having nothing to do with it. And so to me, like, okay, that's a defensive posture he's taking in, in that environment. The more offensive posture would be like Daniel standing up to Nebuchadnezzar um, or, you know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego standing up to Nebuchadnezzar, you know, uh, okay, it doesn't matter what you do to us. We're not going to bow down before the idols, you know, so there are times where in our life, like being in the fight of sin, it's a constant. It is never ending. And so understanding when you take the defense and turn it into the offense, you're looking for that moment to strike. And so uh, Joseph's moment where he's running and fleeing from sin, it's an offensive action, but it's also defensive. And so, and it's the same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What they're doing in their confrontation of the sin is it's an offensive action, but it's also defensive. And so understanding that balance and that difference of no, 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 all offense is defense and all defense is offense. Um, and having that understanding of how those two relate and coincide with one another as a fighter gives you that balance, gives you that perspective of, of training and understanding of knowing this is a fight that I can stay and fight um, versus no, 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 I I've got to get out of here because this is something that I can't even, I can't even be around because I know that this is going to be, in, get me in trouble. Um, and so I think that's where that balance comes in. You keep doing this with your hands and I keep waiting for you to say this is one of the tenets of karate. Um, no, nobody. Okay. Um, which, by the way, the tenets of karate that I learned were courtesy, humility, integrity, abominable spirit, perseverance, and self-control, um, several of which are, are fruits of the spirit as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still remember those all these years later. And the, the what was it, the tenets and the, what was the other one that was like speed, mass, equilibrium, reaction force? Anyway. Is that um, physics? <laughs> the the um, invincible was the word I was looking for earlier, by the way, guys. It was invincible, like the Black Knight. No, what you're saying it makes perfect sense to me in that, yes, you, f- you flee. I mean, we're told to flee a number of times in the yeah. Bible, in the New Testament. Yeah. Flee um, fornication, flee youthful, youthful lusts, flee uh, the love of money, mm-hmm. uh, all these things that we should flee from. But even when you flee, you're not, you're not running away from the enemy. You're running to the cross. Yeah. And in doing that, you're, it, it is, like you say, it's an offensive it's a, it's a snuffing out of the sin. I think that the way I was saying, when I said screw balance, I didn't, I didn't mean the kind of balance that Nathan was talking about, which I agree is, is good. Um, I meant like if, if for example, Joseph had said, listen, I'm not going to come to bed with you, Potiphar's wife, but how about a foot massage? Right. You know, like, I mean, like, or, or let's just, we'll, we'll, we'll get really kind of, we'll, we'll toe that line of intimacy, but I'm not going to go all the, the way to like really doing the thing that we call adultery. And this way I'll have right. deniability. And um, instead he's like, no, I will have nothing to do with this. Damn the consequences. Yeah. I know I'll probably wind up in jail, but I'm not going to have anything to do with this. So it was a, it was a snuffing out of the temptation yeah. by a removing himself from the, the situation. Yeah. And maybe, and, and, and I think part of that too is often, you know, that, that withdraw the strategic um, retreat in order to regroup mm-hmm. and fight, continue to fight. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I think that's where, again, you know, that understanding of what a fight actually looks like, you know, learning that all your defensive movements are offensive movements and all your offensive movements are defensive movements. And so learning, 
you know, that, that strategy of, you know, I mean, if we're going to, you know, keep, keep kind of going down this road with it of, you know, again, we look at Joseph, his, like you said, Zach, that, that defense, that running is, is running to the cross, you know, running to Christ who is the ultimate um, vindicator of, you know, the wrongs. And so this is what's right. And this is what's what I'm going to do. And so, you know, there's that, that movement and that action that's going on there. Um, and it's, it's, it's subtle because again, a, a solid defense is going to involve offensive strategy and offensive attack. Um, and so they're very subtle when you're fighting on how, on what they look like and, and how it's interwoven together and how it acts. And so I think as believers, that same thing is true. My, my defensive strategy is going to look offensive or look like an offense. Um, and so it's going to look offensive. It's going to look offensive. Hey, and and to some people it will look offensive too. I mean, Potiphar's wife couldn't have been feeling very good after that happened. Um, you know, and so, you know, but it's going to include a good offense and it will be involved in that fight and you'll see how it works and how it coordinates. And, and ultimately what's going to be produced is, is the victory. I mean, Ultimately, that's what's going to be produced is the victory. You know, when when I go through um, or when I went through, I haven't done any tournaments in a while now. But when I was doing tournaments, you know, it, it was never a matter of, you know, did I, did I do my best win or lose? You know, I was going to throw everything out there. And if I lost, it had nothing to do with judges. It had nothing to do with the points. It had to do with me. I'm the one that lost this fight. I lost this battle. And so there was, there was a clear victor and a, and a, and a clear loser. And so in the case of, you know, battling against this sin, it's, you know, when I fail, I can look to the moments and I can say, this is where, this is where I lost it. This is where my guard dropped. This is where I, I stopped putting up the fight I needed to in order to overcome in this moment. Um, you know, I, I mean, we can trace that to David, right? You know, David, not out on the battlefield with his troops like he should have been back in his palace, standing up over, you know, observing his land, watching, you know, Bathsheba bathing naked. You know, I mean... You, you trace the moments to, you know, to the loss go and you trace them backwards and you're like, this is where my defense lost its potency. This is where my offense lost its potency. And, and I lost this war. I lost this victory. I lost this battle. And it's another example, I think, too, where it, the the way he could have snuffed out. I mean, this guy killed a giant. This guy, David, has killed his tens of thousands, the song goes, yeah. that, that people sung about him. And the way that he could have won that victory would have been to go back down into his palace and say, what, should I, what am I doing? Right? Like, it would have looked like a, a retreat. Mm-hmm. But instead, it, we're told that he looks and he sees that um, Bathsheba is beautiful, which, I mean, it's not his fault Perhaps. I don't know. I was actually stood where David's palace was when I was in Israel and, and Cliff, uh, who was doing the Cliff Graham, who was doing the whole thing says uh, he had to have known this because you see where the mighty men's little homes are and they're very mm-hmm. small. They're almost like little um, appendages to his, his palace, but say he, he didn't recognize what he was going to see. It's not your fault when you see that there's, Oh wow, there's a naked woman there and she's pretty. But then we see that he saw that she was very beautiful, yeah. which means he's, He's doing the old guy squint, you know, and like having, and then he says, bring her to me. And it's this, you know, it's this progression. Right. Um, which I'm going to talk about in, in probably what's the last episode of my podcast. Um, you know, what happens with hidden sin is you slowly bring it into yourself and then it just changes into shame. Had he just, you know, stomped the head of that snake immediately and gone back, gotten himself out of that situation, it would have looked, I think, from a human point of view, like a retreat. But from a spiritual perspective, it would have been very much an offense right. move. It would have been like, here's this enemy, this, you know, this sin that's crouching by my door, as God says to Cain, and I must master it or it will master me. And the way I can master it in this, in this moment is just, I'm going to go do something 
productive. Why don't I go write another psalm? Been a while right. since I wrote a psalm, right? I mean, <laughs> he's going to write a really long psalm. <laughs> yeah, instead, he's going to write Psalm 51 about right. how hard he fell and all the, the consequences. Um, yeah, guy, we're, we're getting along uh, here. I, I have a question for, for Nathan Barnabas about season three, and it, and it is this. Were you excited by the epilogue in which the phone was picked up and the number of undoubtedly one Terry Silver was called, or or did that mean nothing to you because you're not much of a Cobra or much of a Karate Kid fan? No, well, well, Terry Silver, Thomas Ian Griffith, right? Yes, yes. So, so you watched Karate yes. Three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've seen them all. Um, You've seen every I, I, movie. You're Nathan Barnabas. Yeah, I, I didn't see the next Karate Kid. I remember when it came out, but I didn't see that one. There's Zen Bowling in that one. Is it, is it good? <laughs> no, 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 no. It, <laughs> It's possibly even worse than Karate Kid 3, which is hard to imagine. <laughs> it, it, it was pretty bad. But I do like Thomas Ian Griffith. I'm sure Nathan would, uh, would concur. Um, but And I'd like to see him come back because, I mean, they brought Martin Cove back, right? Or Martin, uh, yeah, is it right? Martin so, Cove uh, was great, too. He, yeah, he got better yeah. as an actor. He's awesome. He's so grizzled. He looks so cool. He's in a movie right now called VFW. Have you seen it? Uh-uh. Sort of a horror action movie. It's like William Sadler and him and uh, the guy from um, – who played the villain in Avatar, Stephen Lang. Oh, yeah. And they're a bunch of grizzled vets who are in their local, like, VFW, and suddenly these people run in, and they're being attacked, and it becomes a siege movie where these, like, drugged-up freaks are trying to break in, and these old guys are oh. having to take them out. So it's, like, uh, <laughs> it's pretty entertaining. Is that something well, I can see on Prime right now, or what? Ah, is it? It's on one of the streaming. I don't know. It is on... Uh, it, it's available. I don't know if it's on Prime yet, but I'm sure it will be. It's uh, it, I saw it somewhere, but it might have been on like uh, VFW. There's a there's a horror streaming service called Shutter. I know it was there, but it may be on Prime now. And it's, what do you uh, guys know Thomas Ian Griffith from? If if not just from Karate Kid Three oh, he, and like he had a, couple a couple of '90s martial arts movies, he was also the villain in uh, a John Carpenter movie called Vampires from the late '90s. He was oh, I saw that. Vampire. I guess I didn't realize yeah. it was the same yeah. guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if his uh, skills were the full effect there, but he had a couple. Did you see any of them, um, uh, Nathan? I think he had a couple martial arts films in the nineties, didn't he? No, uh, the only the only one that I remember him in is Vampires. Okay, yeah, it might be. It might that be was uh, West Carpenter, right? Yeah, uh, uh, you combined two, but it was West, John Carpenter, John, John Carpenter, yeah, 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 West yeah, Craven yeah. and John. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm doing? I'm doing what uh, Rose McGowan did in Scream, which she's like, is yes. what West Carpenter <laughs> movie is this from? <laughs> Because we just went and saw Scream uh, at the theater at Halloween. They had it. They had it oh, when our nice. theaters briefly opened back up. It was pretty cool. Oh, nice. They had it at. Uh, um, I couldn't. You know, I couldn't take the kids obviously to that one. But they had it at the. Uh, they can only see scanners. But they had it. <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> my kids are always like, play that part where he thought we watched scanners. I was like, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> but that's. I, I need to go back and rewatch Scream because that was a good movie. I think they did a good job to uh, Cobra Kai season three in, in not bringing in too many people. They brought Allie in for just one episode. Yes. They and, handled that well because they teased it at the end of two. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is going to become uh, bloated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they bring her in for the one app, give it to her. And she becomes the Deus ex machina that in my mind, believably saw it caused both Johnny and Daniel to see the truth that they're very alike. And they, they handled that very well. It did not feel sitcom-y. It was somewhat like, that's the thing. They're being so over the top with some of the stuff that they always have to come back and have a moment that, that resonates, that feels real, that's effective. Like you pointed out, like when a kid lands on his face, you have to, him doing it gradually over time feels real. You don't want to see him just pop up and jump out of the bed. And of course, we've got, I mean, we're dealing with people who 35 years ago were in their 20s playing people in their teens. That's very true, right? And Ralph Macchio was not a kid from the very beginning. For some reason, somehow, even though both of them look like they're pushing 60, Elizabeth Shue still looks like, you know, this is like Adventures in Babysitting 2, and it's, yeah, it's like two does. years later. Yeah. Gosh, she's, she's like, she hasn't had a ton of work done, and she looks just just beautiful and fresh and, and the whole like alley with an eye motivating everything, like sticking with these guys for decades. It, it, it held up. And, and well, didn't uh, it, when I saw that, I was like, get Netflix, give her a show. Not, not, not her character, but give Elizabeth Shue a show. Just don't let it be the boys, which she was in, which was garbage. The 
Boys. What? That, that's the, the superhero the, the one superhero. on Prime. Oh, I watched an episode of that and stopped. Garbage. Uh, did yeah. you guys see Death Wish, the remake with Bruce Willis? She was in that briefly before she got murdered. I didn't see that one. <laughs> no, I didn't see it. I highly recommend it. It's a dumb movie is it, that is very fun. Is it still um, because I, I caught about 10 minutes of a Bruce Willis movie on Netflix or something the other day. And I, I liked Bruce Willis, like the 90s. And even, even you know, the, he's done a couple movies uh, not that long ago. But whatever this was, he just did not care. If I didn't know what a Bruce Willis was, I'd assumed he was the director's dad. What a Bruce Willis was. <laughs> what was it? What was it about? It was what was it? It's something on Netflix. The thing with Bruce Willis now is he's got as as many movies on Netflix. My my father in law was watching it. He got as many movies on Netflix as Nicolas Cage and like John Cusack have now, and he is cashing a paycheck. You turn any <laughs> of those on, and they all have like one word. It's like extraction, addiction, uh, cashing the paycheck. You know, and like if you turn <laughs> any of these on, you will you should just for a minute or two to see how little he does not care he's sometimes not even looking at the camera and it's not a clearly a thing if he's trying you're not to supposed to look at the camera when you're acting fyi <laughs> well i mean he's not even aware there is a camera he's just looking at the guy holding his paycheck over the shoulder <laughs> of the person like, i mean it's hard to explain what it's like it is really like he just walked on set is probably more acting or more energy when he goes to the craft services table Jeez! wow <laughs> yikes i mean i'm Serious, like if you guys, like you know, Nathan, when well, you're not watching Cobra Kai. Turn on a uh, Bruce, <laughs> one of these Bruce Willis movies on Netflix. Well, just watch Die Hard Five. Um, it's so much worse than Hard. that. Terrible. It's, I mean, I didn't care that much for that movie either, but it's way worse than that. Um, huh. I realized why he wasn't in that much of Glass now after like seeing some of the recent stuff. Glass? Who cares about Glass? <laughs> John McClane. That's a good. That's a good Bruce Willis movie. Anyway, guys, I got I got a bolt. My wife and I paused a Bible study to come and do this. Um, I'm and uh, sorry, we gonna... let you down. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel bad. Well, you know what? It's I I I'm to blame because I thought you might listen to my podcast. So. Um, the instructions weren't clear. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, anyway, hey, I got. I, I'm keeping my footprint on uh, these. Go to eleven. I don't want it to be forgotten. So we will certainly not be forgetting you ever, Zach. You are always welcome. In uh, fact, screw balance is going to be part of our intro now for every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to these. Go to eleven. Screw, screw balance. balance. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some fancy techno music in the background. <laughs> Oh, or the man. power of love. <laughs> or the power. That would be great, yeah. Well, they have a little little uh, animated icon of Zach sliding down those lantern strings at <laughs> the end of the- <laughs> Massive man boobs kind of popping with the Japanese lanterns. Uh, hello, once again, I am uh, I'm, I'm Nathan Bell, and uh, I am a man who will fight for your honor. With me, as always, is Nathan Bartleblock. How are you, Nathan? Yeah, uh, yeah nothing, eh, nothing's whatever. going on. <laughs> I'm, I'm the podcast equivalent of Bruce Willis, just cashing cash the paycheck. Is what, I am. <laughs> what? 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 What am I here for? Jeez. Okay. Well, take care, Zach. All right. Uh-oh. I think that the, the cast boss has been rocked uh, sufficiently. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. Uh, thank you, Zach. We will definitely else. have this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> just time, no effort. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was literally the least you could do. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, players? No, he's not. He's not yeah, really nah, here. That's nah, not happening. Oh, all right, guys. This was great. Gentlemen, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11.